Greg, we thank you for those that serve with you in leading us in worship. Thank you, those that take up the offering and teach every single Sunday and serve in so many ways. Hope you have a Bible with you, something that you can uh, turn on or something that you can open up. And if you will join me in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. When you came in, hopefully you got a a bulletin Um, on the back of that. There will be some notes if you want to use that as we get through the Word this morning. I do own a watch, so I know what time it is. So we're not going to spend the normal normal time we have in the Word because I want to be respectful of you. And I know that you want to beat the Methodist to the buffet. So I, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I also want us to consider what God's Word has to say to us this morning. So we're going to be in Psalm 119. We're just going to be in verse 9. So we're not going to cover 9 through verse 16 this morning. So we're going to be in verse 9 this morning in a few moments. It's about 10 years ago. My brother Will and I were listening to this same preacher. And this preacher was doing this special church service on a Friday night. And he titled it Secret Church. And Will came to me and he said, you know, it'd be so cool if we went to the church service that Friday night when they were having it. And I was like, you know, that would be kind of cool, brother. Problem was, is the church was in Birmingham, Alabama, 625 miles away, over 10 hour drive, depends on how many times the females need to be. And it's that, it was that time, you know, so you're looking at a 10 to 12 hour drive down there. And I said, brother, you're crazy. And he's like, no, no, we can do this. We can all take it down. We can, we can leave either on early Friday morning or late Thursday night. We can drive straight through. We can be at the church service that Friday night. We can spend a few hours in a motel when we get done. And then we can drive back on Saturday and be at church on Sunday. And I was like, that's I'll tr- okay, I'm there. I'm in. I'm in. And so we got ready to leave. I think there was about six of us that were going to go that very first time. And now remember, this is 10 years ago. So what did I do? Well, I got on there and I had turn-by-turn directions from Wellston, Oklahoma, all the way down to Birmingham, Alabama. I had directions from MapQuest. I had directions from another source. I had probably had 30 pages printed, turn-by-turn directions. I had my Rand McNally Atlas. Some of you young people have no idea what an atlas is or who even Rand McNally is. So I had my Rand McNally Atlas, and I get into the, into the Tahoe, and I am prepared. We're getting ready to leave. We're going to drive all this way down to Birmingham, Alabama, and I am ready. And I look at Will, and I say, all right, brother, I know how he works, and he didn't have anything prepared. And so I said, I know. Here you go, brother. I am ready. And I went to hand him the papers. And he said, I don't need it. You've never been to Birmingham. I've never been to Birmingham. You need to know how to get there. He said, no, I don't need it. And I said, why not? And he held up his phone. And he said, I've I've got it right here. And I was like, that's a phone. That's not an atlas. That's a phone. That's not a tom-tom. That's a phone. That's not going to work. And he's like, put your papers up. I got this. For 12 hours, from the back seat, I monitored. (laughs) And that little silly phone took us directly to the front door of the church. Nowadays, we wouldn't know what to do with an atlas. Nowadays, we wouldn't be used to printing off driving directions or having this understanding because how many of us in this room by now we have gotten so used to being able to just plug it into our phones or plug it into some other device and it gives us turn by turn navigation. No more is the husband over there driving and the wife is in the front seat and they're arguing because she's not telling him his exit fast enough and he has aggravated her because... 
marriages have been improved. But in 2022, it's very easy for us to take that luxury or to take those directions for granted. So many times we just assume that's there. We just assume that that is going to be optional. But how many times do we sit back and we wonder, are they leading us in the right direction? Now, I think some of you, if we had enough time, some of you could say, well, I've been there when that, when that person led me astray or that person led me in the wrong direction or whatever that may be. But it just reminds us as we think about where we're at as a culture, that not only do we take these directions for granted, but we think about the directions and that they matter because we want to get to a destination and whatever they send us, whatever direction they send us, it matters to where we are going. We're in the middle of looking at the core values of the church. Several months ago, we embraced as a church three core values. Three core values, we want to build families, we want to teach the Bible, and we want to be the church. And so we have spent the last several weeks talking about how it is that we understand the need for those three core values, how do we think about these core values, and then how are we going to practice these core values. So several weeks ago, we were looking at core value number one, being build the families, and we talked about in Genesis 1 through 3, where God has a, a design for the family and the home, and he has standards for the family and the home, and then he has plans for the family and the home, and then we we transition here to core value number two being to teach the Bible. And we ask the question and we answer the question, why is it important that we as a church, why is it important that we as individuals, why does it matter that we teach the Bible? So last week we were in Psalm 119 verses one through eight and we were, yeah, Psalm 119 verses one through eight and we were talking about looking at, thinking through this idea that the reason why the Bible is important is because the Bible is God's word and because the Bible carries the authority of God. But this morning, for the sake of time, I want you to just consider one verse, Psalm 119 and verse nine, because in it, I want you to see with me that the Psalm writer then reminds us it's not just about the authority of God. It's also about the direction of God. And when we come to God's word, we find direction for our lives. I'm going to read it. If you'll follow along in your copy of God's word, as I read aloud through mine, and let's just think about this verse for a few moments together. The psalm writer writes in verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? A couple of things that I want to point out out of this text this morning when he thinks about the direction that we're at in life, when we think about the idea of why it matters that we teach the Bible to those around us. The first one I want you to see there in your notes is that as the, the, the psalmist reminds us, as he writes in the very far, first part, the first half of verse nine, everyone has a way. Now that is W-A-Y. You may say, why do they put it like that? Well, it's interesting. If you go back to the original language there in the Hebrew, there's really only three words in this nine word composition in the English. So if you go back to the Hebrew, there's only three words. So when you're doing the translational word, sometimes they'll see it and they may translate in different ways. Like for instance, if you go back to the message, it talks about life. When it goes back to the NIV, it talks about path. There are other translations that will talk about what that way is. But what the psalm writer is telling us is, is how can a young man keep his way pure? Now he's saying as a young man because he is writing as a young man. But this is applicable to any of us. A young man, a young woman, middle-aged man, middle-aged woman, boy, girl, 
Senior adult, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, it is still ringing true for us. How is it that we keep our way pure? And that idea there in the text of this idea of purity is something that is clean, something that is proper, something that is righteous, something that is fitting for the Lord. So he tells us there at the first part of verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? He gives them this this, this question that he poses, the psalm writer poses, because he understands that every single person that he's writing to, and by extension, every single one of us in this room, every single one of us has a way that we're living, a way that is in front of us, a way that we have, have lived. Some people may talk about a journey. Some people may talk about a path. Some people may talk about a life. But it's this idea that how is it that you as an individual live such a life that is pleasing and honoring to God? That's the question. How do we do this? We all know that we're going to stand before God one day. We're going to give an account for our lives. Every single one of us are going to stand before God one day and going to give an account to our lives personally. And it's not going to matter what your neighbor did. It's not going to matter what your brother did. It's not going to matter what your mama did. It's not going to matter what your grandma did. It's not going to matter what your kids did. You're going to stand before God one day and give an account for yourself personally. So... How is it that you then can keep this life in a way that is pleasing to God? Well, several ways that he reminds us here in this text. First thing he reminds us is that direction determines destination. He, he speaks about it that you are on a trajectory. You are living a life. You are heading in a certain direction with your life. And that direction that you're going will then determine your destination. And then he also asks about the question here in my text, how can he keep his way pure? He understands there will be some people that will come to that moment in their life. They will come to that time when they're standing before God and their life was not pure. In other words, condition is a choice. However you want to live this life will determine how you end this life. And when you think about it, your life, my life, all of our lives are on a trajectory. And that trajectory is the direction. And that direction will determine its destination. And how we live today will determine where we are at tomorrow. If you go to the world of marksmanship and rifle shooting, they have a term called minute of angle. Minute of angle is a reference that will talk about on a particular firearm or a particular rifle that at a particular distance that you can expect all three of a three-shot pattern to be within a certain diameter. And so at 100 yards or 200 yards or 300 yards or 1,000 yards or 10,000 yards or whatever it may be, you have a minute of angle. And that is just saying that at there, the accuracy of the rifle, the accuracy of the, the cartridge, the accuracy of the platform should mean you fire three shots, all three shots should be in a cir certain circumference, a certain circle, if you will. The idea that the trajectory, the direction, the performance, the result will all be in that same area. The problem is, is there's the key factor that comes into the firing of a firearm. And it's the person firing the firearm. So the firearm maker can build a sub-MOA rifle that will shoot from here two miles away and it will hit the same half-inch target every single 
time. That might be possible, but in a real life scenario, there is someone on the other end of that barrel that is firing that rifle. And as they will teach you in the military, there are three main fundamentals when it comes to firing. Your sight picture, your breathing, and your trigger squeeze. And they would drill in your head, especially in military training, and even those that are involved in the marksmanship community, they practice the fundamentals. They practice the consistency. They practice doing it the same way, the same time, over and over again. Why? Because they understand that where the bullet starts will determine where the bullet lands. How the bullet starts will determine how the bullet lands. And everything about your and I's life today is about the direction we're heading to in life. It's about the direction we're going in life. And it's a matter of you don't know when your life will be over in this life. You have no idea how much more time that you have. But you do know that today you have an opportunity to consider the direction you're on. And is that direction pleasing to God? So he says in the first part of verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? Then he answers it by guarding it according to your word. He's reminding us that everybody has a way. And then he also reminds us that every way is guarded. Every way is guarded. How do I know that? Well, he says by guarding it. He doesn't say, well, this is how you do it. You can try to guard it. He doesn't say that you might think about guarding. He doesn't say, well, you could just take a poll. He says by guarding it according to your word. It's the idea that every single one of us are using some way to guard our lives. And you may say, well, how do you mean, Spence? Well, some people are guarding by themselves. It's a matter of their feelings. It's a matter of what they think. It's a matter of what they believe. And it's all a matter of, I know what the preacher says, but I think this, I believe that. This is what's right for me. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. I'm going to guard my life or condone my life or construct my life or compose my life or assemble my life based upon what I think, how I feel. That's a dangerous thing when we are living a life that it doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the authorities say. All that matters is what you think and how you feel because you lie to yourself. So he says, by guarding it what? By guarding it according to your word. He's saying that every way a person lives is guarded. It may be guarded by themselves or it may be guarded by other people. It may be guarded by others. You will see that going on where you have the sciences out there today that will say, well, we can tell you about the origins of life. We can tell you about the makeup life. And then you have the, the area of psychology. And, and, and they have this idea. Well, this is what it means. What it means, And this is how you need to guard it. And this is what you need to do. And then you have the, the area of the, the opinion. You get on social media and everybody has an idea of what you should do and how you should do it and how you should live it and what is right and what is wrong. Some people are guarded by themselves. Some people are guarded by others. But as the psalm writer is writing here in verse 9, he says, how do we keep our way pure? How do you keep your life clean? How do you keep your life on a trajectory and a direction that is pleasing to God? He says, by guarding it according to you? By guarding it according to them? By guarding it according to Oprah? Dr. Phil? Pharmaceuticals, donkeys or elephants, majority roles, your gut feeling at the time, by guarding it according to your word. 
But here's the reality. Few people today are guarded by God's word. Few people today are guarded by God's word. What do you mean, preacher? I'm saying that there's very few people today that aren't trying to what they would call integrate. They try to take a little bit of God and they try to take a little bit of the world and they mix it together. And they will say, you know what? I think I can do both. I think I can straddle that fence. I think I can play both sides. I think that I can integrate worldly philosophies, godless ideologies. I can integrate these things into a Christian practice. And so we are always trying to integrate. I can watch a movie and how many bad words, how many cuss words before I have to turn it off? That's a form of integration. We are trying to say, I want a little bit of the world and I want a little bit of Jesus and I want to do something that makes me feel comfortable, not too uncomfortable and not too guilty. So I want something that fits in the middle. And what God wants us to know is that it's either God's word or the world's word. Which one are you going to follow? Which one are is going to rule your life. Which one are you going to make the authority in your life? Either God's word or your word. It was in the 17th century. There was a man by the name of Isaac Newton. And Isaac Newton was a brilliant mathematician. He was an astrologist. He was a, a, a teacher. He was a professor. He was also a theologian. And you probably know him because he created three rules having to do with physics. You have the Newton's three laws, and the first law goes like this. An object at rest remains at rest, or if in motion, remains in motion at a constant velocity unless, in fact, unless acted upon by an external force. What is he saying? He is saying that an object is is dependent upon its surroundings and that an object will stay there, this water bottle will stay there until I knock it off or until a wind blows or until something happens. And the idea that Newton had was that is a physics experiment and sometimes we think that's where we're at in our Christianity. We think that we can be neutral, that we're not gonna be too godly, we're not gonna be too worldly and we can just sit right there and it doesn't really matter. I cannot grow in my faith or I cannot grow in the ways of the world and I can just put it on coast. The problem is the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 that the devil is a roaring lion seeking who to devour. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9, he says, resist him. And brothers and sisters, what I want you to hear from me this morning is that our lives are never static spiritually. We are continually being influenced. We're continually being buffeted. We're continually being expected, influenced, all these things, all these things from the world are constantly trying to get you and I to move. And we have to ask the question, what is going to guard my life? Am I going to be guarded by the word of God or am I going to be guarded by this world? And the same thing for you young people, whether you're in grade school, middle school, or high school. Right now you have a lot of adults and you have teachers and you have other parents in your life that are giving you instructions. This is when you go to sleep. This is when you get up. And you've got these directions coming in your life and they're helpful and they're good, but there's going to come a day, Miss Gracie, that nobody's going to tell you when you have to go to sleep. Nobody's going to tell you when you have to get up. And it's going to be your decision. And you're going to have to say at that moment, I'm going to choose to go to bed at this time. I'm going to choose to wake up at this time. You will then be following what people may say is your own directions. But, but Cameron knows that we are never free from direction. As long as we put ourselves under the authority of the word of God. 
And I know as adults, we are in this room and we're thinking, oh, these young kids, they just need to get their minds right. They, these young kids, they just need to get their act together. The reality is we are teaching them what it looks like to follow God. And if they do not see it in us, what it looks like to guard our lives by the word of God, then why should we expect them to do what we aren't doing? So, how does this affect us teaching the Bible? How do we think about this when it comes to the church? Well, I put there two, two quick notes, and then we're going to put a bow on our time together in the Word. But let me just put a couple, of, a, a reminder, and then a question. And the reminder is this, that destination starts at conception. Destination starts at conception. It doesn't matter whether you are a child in the womb, whether you're just a child, just a few months old. Micah that is sitting there in Jaylene's arms, and he is asleep. He's a year and a half in years old. He is already on a trajectory. His his life is already moving in a direction. And so it really doesn't matter about where you're at in that age level. Some people may say, well, so I'm, I'm already past middle age, so it really doesn't matter to me. I am going to tell you this morning that the question is, is that your destination starts, yes, at conception, but it may need to start today. It might need to start right now. Maybe today is a day that you need to think, who am I submitting to? What is governing my life? The word of God or the word of man? The word of God or the word of social opinion? The word of God or the word of myself? Who is guarding my life? And maybe today you need to say, I am not going in the direction I want to go. I am not heading in the destination that I need to be headed in. And today is a day that you say, I'm going to stop. Maybe today is a day that we recognize as a church that we're in a battle for the souls of these young people. That we're in a battle for the hearts of these young people. And it's not a matter of saying, well, we need to get someone else. We need to start a program and we need to do some type of new methodology. It's a matter of them seeing a model of adults in this room of people that love Jesus and follow Jesus with all their heart and their lives. Because destination starts at conception. But then here's the question. Whose word are we using? Whose word are we using? A question comes up. A problem comes up. A decision comes up. A challenge comes up. A decision needs to be made. Whose word are we using? Are we going to use the word of man? Are we going to go straight to Mr. Old Google, and just say whatever he says. 15, 20 years ago, you had cha-cha, and you could just go in there, and you could ask cha-cha, and, and you, got, you got to ask yourself, whose word am I using? Whose word am I going to? See, the reality is, is God has given us his word. The psalm writer says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? The King James, I love the way the King James puts it. It says... By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The reality is, the psalm writer says, okay, when it comes to your responsibility to God, either you're going to structure, guard your life based upon God's word or based upon the world's word. So it doesn't matter who you are in here this morning. It doesn't matter the age of your set of eyeballs in here this morning. Either you're going to walk out of here living your life according to the word of the world or you're going to walk out of here choosing to live your life according to the word of God. 
And you may say, well, Spence, so what does that look like if I want to live according to God's word? You have to know God's word. You've got to read God's word. There's no shortcut to this. You read God's word, you study God's word, you know God's word. We would love to, I would love to show you, help you, get you plugged into ways that you can grow in your understanding, grow in your knowledge, grow in your practice, and grow in the application of God's word to your life. I would love to get you plugged into that, but it starts with the decision to say, I am going to direct my life based upon the word of God, not based upon the word of man. So then the question is before you. Whose word are you using today? You bow your heads with me.